0: The cross, the, the crucifixion of Jesus, is, it's the center point of history. It's the intersection, it's the point on which everything changes. And once a year on Good Friday, we have this opportunity to examine the cross more closely, don't we? We have this opportunity to, to look at it. And so it's a privilege for me to spend this hour with you as uh, we look at these uh, two talks. And maybe you've decided to come to this service rather than the the service that we had at at 10 a.m. because you didn't want to come dressed as a character from The Lion King. Um, maybe you did come along to the 10 a.m. service, coming dressed as a lion, but I thought, sort of considering we're all here now for the, the 12 p.m. service, and considering that I've dressed up, not as a, as a lion, but as a priest, um, I thought, well, let's be a bit cultured, shall we? Let's, let's take a look at Shakespeare. Let's see what Shakespeare has to say uh, about the topic of guilt and sin. Because there's, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? We still live with this problem of guilt we still live with the the problem of sin that that modernity hasn't killed off uh, guilt psychologists tell us that we feel guilt on average for about five hours per week and it, it affects everything we do it affects the way that we understand ourselves and the way that we go out into the world so what does Shakespeare have to say about guilt Well, we know that we don't want to be like uh, the mad King Lear, who who thinks he's uh, more sinned against than sinning. Now, there's a a victim mindset if we ever saw one. We don't want to be like the mad King Lear. But we also don't want to be like the the bad uh, Lady Macbeth, who has blood on on her hands. But yet there's this instinct within us, isn't there, like Lady Macbeth, to deal with guilt, to deal with sin, uh, the Nobel uh, Prize-winning psychologist and economist Daniel Kahneman, who wrote Thinking Fast and Slow, he conducted an experiment where he got people to, to lie uh, by phone and by email and then looked at their um, spending patterns, their shopping patterns following uh, lying. And uh, the study showed that those who had lied to others by, uh, by phone, they, they wanted mouthwash. And that those who had lied via email, they wanted handwash. And, and while Lady Macbeth is desperate to get blood off her hands, we know that it's the blood of Jesus that washes us clean, that although blood is something that stains, that we have this instinct too, and humanity's had this instinct right back from the Old Testament times, that we need something more powerful, we need something stronger than disinfectant to wash ourselves clean. I wonder what you think about uh, your own guilt and your own sin. I wonder how you feel about the, the problem of sin, because the the solution of Good Friday shows us that the problem that the problem is actually far uh, far worse than we'd like to think. If you go to the doctor and uh, you go to the doctor with a problem, and the doctor says to you, uh, "Take an aspirin, get an early night, drink plenty of water, and don't bother me again." you know that the problem isn't too great. But if you go to the doctor with a problem and he immediately sends you to A&E and he rushes you into surgery for three days, you know that the problem is actually far greater. And that it took this, that it, it took the Son of God to die on a cross for you and me. That it, it took that. It, it, it shows that actually the problem of sin is is actually far greater than we'd like to think. When we're tempted to think that it's not important, when we're tempted to think that it's okay that everybody else does it. Well, the cross confronts us with a reality. It confronts us with a reality that sin is far more serious. But the cross also shows us that we're far more loved than we might think. That this is what God was willing to do for you and me. Just look at the the way that Jesus is on the cross from our reading we've just read. At verse 34, at at his moment of greatest agony, he says of the people crucifying him, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That controversial teaching of Jesus to forgive our enemies is not a, a mere platitude. Skip down to verse 41 and one of the criminals says to the other, we are punished justly for we are getting what our, what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. I really wanted to, to say to you today that Good Friday is for bad people, that uh, heaven is for bad people, that heaven is not for good people, that heaven is for bad people. It's, it's short enough to fit in a tweet, it's subversive, it would make you sit up in your seats. But the problem is, is that, that sin doesn't make us bad. Sin makes us dead. The wages of sin is death. And this thief on the cross next to Jesus, he says, we are getting what our deeds deserve. And so no amount of water, no amount of, of washing in the Ganges will, will clean him. He and you and me, we need something more powerful. We need something stronger. We need the blood of Jesus Christ. And so there we see that Jesus, he is getting what our deeds deserve. Can you see a a clearer picture of the gospel than Jesus uh, saying to a man who is crucified next to him? That today you'll be with me in paradise. He doesn't make the man stew or, or ask him to right his wrongs. He doesn't say, "Well, you lived your entire life against me." He, he doesn't say, "Well, you, you didn't read the scriptures, you didn't pray. He didn't say, "Oh, well, you didn't come to church. He didn't um, say, uh, "Go back, try again this time. Only use single-use plastic." nor never use single-use plastic." He has no conditions. He has, he has none. He has zero, and that this is unconditional love. And so just as Jesus' own body is is bleeding, his heart is bursting with love for this man, as he does for you and me. And here on the cross, this criminal, with only his his sin and his guilt and his shame to offer Jesus Christ, Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. The cross takes us from wrong to right, right? At the same time, the cross takes us from death to life. When you're dead, you, you can't do a thing for yourself. And that man, he was as good as dead. His death was imminent. And all he had to offer Jesus was his sin and his shame and the shame of being hung on a cross. And Jesus handed him eternal life. All you have to do is to receive this gift, is to receive this gift in weakness. It's the only way for us to not get to heaven. There's only one way for us to not get to heaven, and that is to to trample over the cross and to say, thanks, Jesus, but no thanks. And you might be sat here today and thinking, but Jamie, you don't know what I've done. I'm not really sure the cross works for me. Because if you'd known the sorts of things that I'd done or that I'd said that i'd thought well you certainly wouldn't want to be sitting in the same pew as me and we can get so caught up in our in our shame and we can think that well maybe this doesn't work for us but jesus before the beginning of time he he saw your life and he knew that you were going to be complicated he knew that you were going to be messy He knew that you were going to stuff up and he knew that it was going to feel awkward for you. And that's the point of the cross. That's every way in which we're stuffing up right now, every way that we will stuff up in the future, that Jesus has paid for it all on the cross. That Jesus, before the beginning of time, he saw your life and my life. He saw all the ways in which we would get things wrong. And he said, I love that man. I love that woman. I would give up anything to have that person in my family. I would give up my very life to have that person in my family. This is amazing love. So, can I encourage you to not give up? Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't stop uh, confessing. Keep bringing your sin to Jesus. Bring all of it to Jesus. Even the stuff that you think is too big to handle. Jesus is faithful. And the cross, it it doesn't just atone for our sins. Yes, it substitutes our sins. But the cross also delivers us from our sins as well. The, The ultimate spiritual death of you and me dying is also experienced in dying in all sorts of ways, in hundreds of ways during our week, in deadening, in numbing. But it doesn't have to be this way. This weekend, you can know the power of the cross. You can know Jesus setting you free from the penalty of sin and also the power of sin in your life. That you don't have to stumble and muddle your way through life hoping that it'll be okay in the end that you can know victory over death, yes, but you can also know victory over evil and victory over guilt, that your ultimate reality can be your everyday experience, that your experience of eternal life, that higher quality of life that we all so desperately crave, that that can be something that you experience today and going on into eternity. For it is... It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And all we have to do is to acknowledge that there is a problem. And thank Jesus for taking on all of our problems, for taking on what our deeds deserve, and to flood our lives with the power of the cross. The cross of Christ takes us from wrong to right. And the cross of Christ takes us from death to life. And so to borrow another Shakespearean phrase, uh, Jesus, he's come full circle. The one who promised uh, rivers of living water, he says, I thirst. The one who for his first miracle produced the finest wine, he's forced to suck from a sponge of cheap vinegar and the one who was born in complete vulnerability dies in complete vulnerability too and Jesus says it is finished and this phrase it is finished is probably not what you might expect especially for those of us who who know the the end of the story surely at this moment Jesus should say on the cross it's not finished it's not over. Or maybe even, I'll be back. But this isn't the end of the story. And we're maybe even tempted to think that sort of sitting through a Good Friday service is a bit disingenuous when we, we know what happens on Sunday. It's like having to pretend that we don't know the end of a story. But Jesus says, it is finished. And this is so important because what happens on the cross is that Jesus really dies. He wasn't pretending. It really is over. And you know those uh, different stages of, of grief that Kubler-Ross and uh, Kesler write about. I think we see, we see real grief in Jesus Christ. We see him going through the grief cycle. We, we see anger we see, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see depression, and Jesus saying, My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. We even see bargaining. That in the in the Garden of Gethsemane he says, If it's possible to take this cup, this cup of wrath, this cup of suffering, away from me And he knows that he was about to take this on the cross, all of this judgment that should have fallen on you and me. And then there's denial. And you might think, well, surely there couldn't be denial in Jesus Christ. But then there's that, there's that crucial moment when um, he's saying that he has to go to this death. And Peter says to him, no, it doesn't have to be this way. And Jesus responds incredibly strongly. He says, get behind me, Satan. And, and he had this need to respond in such an extreme way. Because the greatest temptation for Jesus was this temptation that he didn't have to go to the cross, that it didn't have to be this way. And so we've come through all these stages of, of grief, and then we finally come to acceptance. And Jesus says, It is finished. And Jesus is is really grieving. It really is the end. And this is important because I, I so often see my faith at work in the things that are almost over, but, but not quite. Someone is severely ill, and I have faith that they can be healed. That a, a business is on the verge of collapse, but I have faith that things can be turned around. And yes, that, that is how God works. But then there are illnesses that end in death. And there are businesses that fold. And there are relationships that end. And it really is over. It really is the end. It really is finished. And what we see on the cross is that Jesus is present even in those things. In the ending of things. When the the shutters come down. When we really have lost someone when a pregnancy is over that God is even in those things he experiences those things and all their their harrowing mess and implications crucifixion is where we get the word excruciating I took uh, a funeral on Monday and it's, it's, it's very difficult to know what to say to people that are bereaved, isn't it? Because you want to show that you care, uh, but you also don't want to put your foot in it. And then I think for those of us who have been bereaved or, or, or we have experienced suffering in our lives, we've all experienced that thing where the, the other person, they, they tilt their head on a 45-degree angle, and they say, poor you. And it's, it's not that we're ungrateful for the sympathy, It's just that it means so much more when we can talk to someone who's experienced what we've been through ourselves, when we know someone who knows us and gets us. And so today we can know that there is a time coming that for those who are currently weeping in our valleys, that they will be consoled forever. But there's more, there's more for us today. Jesus entered death. He entered that which was final. And he brings life out of it. When Jesus is pierced in his side, we see blood and water coming out. Jesus has been promising rivers of living water, and now water comes out from his side. And we see blood coming out of his side. Blood, blood, that which we know that gives life. Out of real grief and out of a real end. Life comes to us all. The 15th of April is a day which is known for the phrase, it is finished. It's a date that is known for the ending of things, for the conclusion of things. The 15th of April. Uh, It was uh, the assassination of of Abraham Lincoln. Happened on the 15th of April in, in 1865. Uh, There was the first death of the Tiananmen Square protests and the Hillsborough Stadium disaster, both on the 15th of April in 1989. There was the, the Boston Marathon bombing on the 15th of April in 2013. And there was the sinking of the Titanic on the 15th of April in 1912. And then this past Monday, the 15th of April, we all watched in horror as uh, the spire of the Notre-Dame toppled into the flames. And it's, it's been so interesting to see the way that people have reacted. And I think the way that people have, have, have rightly reacted so strongly uh, to something being destroyed that, that holds such uh, cultural and historical and artistic value. But why does it have such a value in those ways? I'm guessing it's because the Notre Dame was a bit of a trendsetter when it came to, to Gothic architecture and, and the design of the building and the sweeping buttresses and, and those arcs that, that point you to the heavens that engineer a sense of awe and, and wonder and mystery. And you will have seen that photo, of the first photo from inside the, the Notre Dame, of there remains the altar And rising from the altar is smoke. And what remains is the cross. Because Gothic architecture might point you to heaven. But the the cross will get you there. The cross is not one of many themes of worship. The cross is our means to worship. Jesus' death, it was the one altar... It was the one perfect and complete and sufficient sacrifice to put everything right. That when we look at the cross, we see that Jesus has atoned for our sins and that he has delivered us from our sins. When Jesus says those words, it is finished, the word there is the word for for completion. That Jesus' work is finished. Because Jesus didn't just come to be a good example Although he was the greatest greatest example of a human being ever to have lived. He didn't come just to be a good teacher, although his teaching has never, ever been surpassed. But primarily Jesus came to die. And this is what he had set himself on. I wonder today, what have you set yourself on? To, To be a follower of Jesus is to set yourself on what Jesus has set himself on. And Jesus set himself towards the cross. He was a man on a mission, and this is what he came to do, to take us from wrong to right, from death to life. John begins his gospel by using the words, in the beginning. And here now, Jesus is saying, it is finished. Here we have the completion of the story. And we know elsewhere from the Bible that before the creation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. That even before the beginning, God knew that we would get it wrong and that this is how He would put it right. That yes, we would introduce death into this world, but Jesus, because of the cross, would secure for us eternal life. How deep the Father's love for us! How vast beyond all measure. God's love for you is infinite. It's, it's beyond the measures of time. It's beyond the measures of space. And yet this is how God chose to reveal himself at this point in history. That we would know him not through mystique, not through our own good works, not through a piety or pilgrimage, but through a bloodied and tortured Nazarene carpenter. I wonder today whether or not you would call yourself a Christian. I wonder whether the cross has become for you an image that has just become all too familiar. That at best we experience the cross, we experience the power of the cross at second hand. But this Easter things can change, things don't have to be the same ever again. That you can be taken from wrong to right you can be taken from death to life if you trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That you can experience the power of the cross to free you, to, to empower you. That his, his Holy Spirit would help you not just to sort of intellectually agree to the idea of the cross, but to experience the cross transforming you in your life today. So this Easter, Yes, we pray that the Notre Dame would be resurrected. But we also pray that the church in Europe would be resurrected. That that people would encounter not just great artwork, but they would encounter the risen Jesus Christ. For that is what we all need. And all we do is, all we do is, we we just hand over the, the burning embers of our lives to Jesus Christ just like the thief on that cross next to him. And we let the cross define and shape and transform everything about our lives. Because it is finished. It is complete. It is done. Sunday is coming. And on Sunday, the sun will rise on a whole new story. And it will affirm and it will confirm and it will validate everything that took place on Good Friday. But for now, we take in, we absorb, we absorb, we receive this extraordinary gift of Jesus on the cross. Amen.